Welcome to Common Sense Coalition Talk Radio, where you'll find straight talk from people with good old common sense. I trust your opinion. And now, for your host, he's putting sense back into nonsense. Absolute insanity. Well, you can hear me on the And I welcome you today to CSC Talk Radio. It is my honor, my privilege, and my pleasure to be here with you today. As we get started, let's go to the Lord in prayer for such a time as this. Oh, Father, thank you for your grace, your mercy, and your saving spirit and power. We come again to you to ask for your blessings, but also, Lord, we ask for your guidance and your wisdom. Help us to be your people and to walk in your way, to know the right paths to take to bring America home. I ask again for your watch, care, and protection over President Donald Trump and Vice President Mike Pence. Surround them with wise and good counsel. Give them wise discernment in all matters. Watch over their families and keep them safe as well. This nation, as you know, is in great turmoil. Actually, the entire world is. But we are in this place because we have turned away from your truth. We have sought selfish desires and ways. We find ourselves inside, outside, and upside down, confused and yet thinking we know best. But, Father, we don't know best. We need you You are our best. Be with my guest today, Lord. I pray for him in his walk and in his daily travels, in his quest and his mission with our calf. Keep him safe and give him wisdom. Be with my listeners, O Father. Be with rural America. Wake us up to the understanding we need your strength. We need time on our knees And then we need to take action. You told us to commune and worship together. We need you and one another to boost our strength, to keep us on the straight and narrow path. For such a time as this, I call on your name. May you make CSC Talk Radio your network, your voice unto all people. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. A week ago, I shared with you an article, Remembering the Farming Way. It was written by Victor Davis Hanson, and I received it from the website American Greatness, which you can go to just simply amgreatness.com. Victor reminisced back in his time on the farm. It was a farm in California, in Southern California, I believe. While we've made great progress technology and scientifically, even with the weather, believe it or not, we've left behind a way of life. Can we capture it and bring it back? Victor wrote, we need to pause sometimes and remember when these dinosaurs were and what they have contributed for a while longer. A few are still with us. A sort of collective keyhole through which we can look back into the na- into a now unremembered American past, whose codes and mores 
were simply abandoned and to our great and present loss. That statement made me sigh a bit. Did it you? In the political arena, farming and ranching seldom comes up. Not really. I cringe each time some of them talk about rural America and they say, well, they need broadband. No, that's not what we need. These are people who never got the stuff on their boots or the dirt under their nails. They never worked so hard that their knuckles on their hands were permanently stained. And they never had lunch brought to them in the hayfield with the milk in a quart jar. They never had the smell of a freshly mowed hay intoxicate them with the strong feeling of accomplishment and and harvest. Wow. Farming, ranching, rural America. You are a different lot of people. Good people. Hard-working people. Independent people. Maybe a little too independent sometimes. We've been called many things throughout the years. Hey, see, cowboy, hick, plowboy, redneck, and the latest, of course, is deplorable. Conservative, hard-working, independent rural Americans. They're under attack. I read another article this morning titled, When All Conservatives Understand, When Will All Conservatives Understand, That It's Not a Contest of Ideas. It goes in the article explaining the left has meticulously taken jobs, taken positions, infiltrated, and pushed their narratives, narratives that do not make common sense or moral sense. Today's guest is Bill Bullard. He's the CEO of RCAF USA. You can visit their website by simply going to r-cafusa.com. Bill, when you spoke recently, you made the point that We live in a global market, and I agree that we cannot deny that. How we join in and keep our independent ranchers is our concern, that independent spirit of cattle ranchers and farmers has got to be pooled together. And uh, that's why you're here, and you can help us tell us where we're at today and how how we can change it and bring some of that back. We don't want to go back completely to the good old days, but we need to preserve and protect the independent cattlemen and ranchers and farmers in this nation. And I thank you for all that you do with RCAF USA. How are you doing today, Bill? Do we have Bill? There you are. (laughs) I lost you for a moment. (laughs) Good morning. I'm doing great, and thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you for taking the time to be with us today. I was reading your article that I received, oh, I guess it was a week ago. It was on the 15th that I got it. And uh, it was uh, you kind of putting together some of the things you had said in the last few uh, uh, speeches you had given in New Mexico and Colorado. Um, You know, the one thing that does bother me about our folks here in rural America is that independent spirit. That's what makes them so unique and so wonderful, but at the same time, it's hard. I like to compare it to uh, herding cats. Sometimes herding the ranchers and the farmers and getting them all to work together is is difficult, and I know that you deal with that every day. And if they don't come together and, and pool all their resources and uh, and ideas and and get organized, we are going to lose the independence in rural America. And I, I kind of wanted to throw that out at you and see what uh, yeah. what's going on today. 
Well, if we we look at history, you know, we started out as a nation that was really focused on the United States of America, you know, really focused on nationalism. And then we began to move towards more cooperation amongst countries. And then we moved to the global uh, globalist uh, notion that we should have global governance in, a, in addition to cooperation amongst countries. And now we're reaching a new paradigm where we're moving away from this global governance and back to a higher sense of, of patriotism and nationalism. So I think we are finally headed in the right direction, mm. um, but we still have the vestiges of those who have been proposing and advocating for a global system of government. And then you tie in the independence of the American ranchers and farmers into that. You start with the American farmer and rancher historically was really dedicated to the production of food, recognizing we had to feed our nation to keep our nation strong. And so are, are we out of time? I hear music. Yeah, we're out of time, but I do want to follow up on that. We'll keep going with that uh, when we come back from this break. You're listening to CSC Talk Radio. This is Beth Ann. I'm visiting today with Bill Bullard of RCAF USA. You can visit their website by going to r-cafusa.com. That's r-cafusa.com. And Bill and Beth Ann will be right back. Founding fathers knew that the heartland would be coveted by those who want the land and its resources or hated by those who simply do not understand its value. It is that simple. And yet today, the humble folks in the heartland are losing jobs and feeling the pressures from an out-of-control bureaucracy as well as outsiders with agendas. From the heartlands of America come our food, manufacturing, and our energy. CSC Talk Radio is a voice crying from the heartland and standing up for rural America. And so is Power the Future. Power the Future is a unique foundation established to be the voice for rural American energy jobs. Daniel Turner is a strong advocate pushing against those who would like to punish rural folks and take their jobs for the sake of climate change or the land and its wealth. I'm proud to be a part of Power the Future and bring Daniel Turner here to you. Our future depends on it. Let's power the future as we bring America home to common sense jobs and give our rural families a voice. Visit PowerTheFuture.us. PowerTheFuture.us is the way to bring America home. Liberty Tabletop brings liberty to your table. For those of you who want to display your patriot heart, set your table with Liberty. The new patriotic flatware pattern by Liberty Tabletop. Your dining table sets the mood for the American family and the American dream. Liberty honors our fallen heroes, the Liberty Bell. We the people with stars and stripes, our American Eagle and the Statue of Liberty. Each piece of the Liberty flatware pattern is an art with elegance, high-quality work, and high-quality eight. 1810 stainless American steel. Each piece is unique while conveying the same patriotic message. Liberty for all and we love America. Order your set now and a set as a gift for a special patriot in your life. Liberty Tabletop brings liberty home to your table. Use the promo code BETHANN and receive a discount. LibertyTabletop.com or call them 844-386-2338.
For centuries, those who raise, breed, and work with animals have been revered and lauded for what they do. Today, across America, the rights to own and raise animals are under attack by animal rights activists and their increased influence on government and non-government agencies. This onslaught regularly violates protection from legal search and seizure and a citizen's right to due process of the law, all of which are outlined specifically in the U.S. Constitution. Protect your animals, your animal enterprise, and your property from this abuse of power with a membership to the Cavalry Group. Membership provides immediate access to their team to protect law-abiding animal owners and animal enterprise against unwarranted search and seizure and false claims. They also work to protect their members' interests legislatively at the local, state, and federal levels. Get the shield that protects you, your animals, and your property. Join the Cavalry Group today. Call 855-748-4210 or go to their website at thecavalrygroup.com. Returns. You're listening to CSU Talk Radio. This is Beth Ann. Bill, we have someone holding on the line. I asked them to continue to hold a little bit because I did want to, and they have a question about about agriculture and and the uh, China deal. And so I I want to uh, go to that here in just a minute. But I wanted you to be able to finish up your thoughts and what we were talking about with. Um, it seems like things are getting better, yet we know we're not quite there yet. So if you could just finish that up, and then we'll go to our caller. That has lasted several generations. We went from a nationalism approach to a cooperation approach. Then we jumped to this globalism approach, and now we appear to be moving back to the, somewhat to the nationalism approach. But you overlay that with the independence of the American farmer and rancher. Um, they were at first just exclusively dedicated to uh, providing the food for America. And then we moved in the cooperation stage, and they were to provide even more food to sell globally. And then they got into this globalism notion where the United States needed to feed the world, but if the food could be produced cheaper, we'll just produce it elsewhere and then import it into the United States. It really didn't matter where it was produced. Mm-hmm. And that's the stage where the globalists who wanted the overriding global control over the food industry began to infiltrate all of the farm and ranch groups and convince the actual farmers and ranchers that it was in their benefit, you know, to allow more and more imports of products that were produced cheaper because it was uh, viewed to be more efficient to do so. And if the producer in the United States couldn't compete, well, so what? Somebody else elsewhere in the world would, and as a result, we began to weaken the strength of the U.S. economy, particularly weaken rural America. We were hollowing out rural America. Well, now there's a recognition that we've gone way too far, uh, that we have lost our ability to control our own destinies, and we have become more and more subservient to an international tribunal that was essentially establishing global governance and imposing it upon the United States. We are now in the very early throes of breaking away from that, and hopefully we're not too late. Obviously, we have gutted rural America, and now we need to rebuild it. And unfortunately, uh, the slow incremental process of moving away from this global elite type of governance um, is really, we haven't seen any significant changes yet. We're fighting to achieve the changes necessary 
to bring this back full circle to where we can start doing what America needs to do in order to remain, uh, you know, a global superpower, both in terms of economies and politics. And you can't do that if you're just going to eliminate borders and meld everyone under uh, one global control. And uh, in, in a big picture, you know, that's kind of where we're at is we are now trying to fight to retain the independence of the American farmer and rancher, but also the independence of the United States of America. And this is a huge battle. And as I said, it took generations to get to where we're at. It's going to take some time to get uh, moving forward in the right direction, and we need to take some specific steps to do that. We have not done that yet. All right. Well, we're going to go to Tim in Iowa because he has a question about the uh, the China agreement and and how that's affecting agriculture. And some are still a little bit upset about it. Tim, how are you doing today? Well, pretty good. How are you doing today, Beth? I'm doing great, thank you. Yeah. Hi, Bill. Hey, you know, um, hi. All I've heard since Trump was president from the Farm Bureau was they're really concerned about the trade war with China. We finally get a we, we finally get a, a deal signed with them, and ever since that deal got signed, when I listen to the Brownfield Ag News on my local radio station, all they talk about is the unstable soybean market because they don't trust the Chinese to live up to that deal. Is that incredible? I, I, I mean, and, and with 84 percent approval rating among ranchers and farmers for Trump. I, 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 my, the, the guy, the, there's a fellow in my county that's running for state president of the State Farm Bureau here in Iowa. I think we have to talk to him and say, dude, you got, you guys got to change something here because I don't think you're representing the, the, the core. And if not, maybe they need to move over to RCAF or somewhere else that might actually be in touch with the farmers and ranchers. Well, I certainly appreciate that and would hope uh, we do need more members. And importantly, when we look at the, the China Phase 1 agreement, that was an effort to really discipline China because China has essentially weaponized its economy and its trade policies, and it was essentially weakening the United States. So we were looking at all kinds of issues with China, particularly that it really isn't the market economy. You know, it's uh, state-owned enterprises, and it's the government that is subsidizing their exporters and then they were involved in the transfer of technology they were when US companies went to China the Chinese were forcing them to give up their proprietary and confidential and competitive information so that China could replicate it and then ex- exploit that to the harm of the United States so that was one of the big issues in the phase one was to eliminate this technology transfer the other thing it attempted to do was change the structure of China to move it into what would be more of a market type economy and little progress has been made there but some and then uh, finally what they wanted to do is just change a whole host of measures that China was involved in that uh, really resulted in their cheating in trade that was their weaponization part and one of those was the devaluation of their currency so in this process of achieving phase one there were concessions that were reached 
and those concessions, including China buying more U.S. agricultural product. The problem with this whole scenario is one of the things that brought China to the table was the imposition of tariffs on Chinese goods, and that had, a, from our view, a very positive impact on America. China turned around and retaliated by uh, refusing to purchase many of our goods, and, th and those are goods like soybeans that we are a we overproduce for the domestic market. We have to have a global marketplace for it. So we have allowed ourselves to become dependent on a non-market economy in order to maintain you know viability for our domestic producers. So that's a huge problem that has to be overcome in some way, finding other markets, getting China to buy these products or begin producing something else uh, that uh, other countries would want that would even be more profitable than soybeans, for example. But uh, we have, the paradigm has gone, or excuse me, the pendulum has shifted way too far. Now we've got to bring it back and we're experiencing hardships in the process, but the single most important factor here is whether or not we can trust China at all, uh, whether or not China has indeed begun to change its position of trying to weaponize trade in order to build its economy to be a world superpower, even beyond that of the United States, which is very, very dangerous. And so we support the efforts thus far taken with respect to China, though we believe we should have gone forward with the additional tariffs because it is the tariffs that force China to the table and force them to make these concessions. And so th this is a difficult prospect. And also, as all of this is occurring, we need to look at what can help to make our U.S. farmers and ranchers more competitive in this global marketplace and uh, we just haven't focused on that. We continue to focus on, well, China has to buy from us because we have to sell to China. But uh, we've got to move ourselves away from that mentality. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree, Bill. And I think, I think people, I don't think we stress enough is, you know, that tariff money that, that we're collecting, a lot of that is at Trump's discretion what gets done with that. That's, uh, that's an executive branch tariff, isn't it? You know, I, I, I cannot answer that question without doing some yeah. research. Um, I do not know if the president would have sole discretion over the expenditures of that money. I don't know the answer to that question. Yeah, I, I think he, I think legislatively, just you know, and I don't know for sure, but I think I'm guessing now. I'm speculating. I'm speculating legislatively that Congress has no say over that because that's something he came up with on his own, that's an executive branch privilege there. And and the money collected from that, you now since it's the Treasury and everything would be underneath his jurisdiction too. I, I think he can distribute that any way he wants. And I know he'd sent a lot of money out here to Iowa. So that, that's why I'm kinda of disappointed, you know, and and uh, that it's like Boy, they they clamored for to try and get something done to try and and uh, have some peace going, and then then they gotta rough it up some more, and it's just uh, it, it, it's sad. They, they gotta be they gotta be back in the industry and being less political. Is what I'm trying well, to say. Well, and and well, when we talk about political, and we're headed into a break, Tim. I'm gonna have to let you go, but I was gonna sure. say that many of these organizations, whether they're farm or agriculture or anything else, they uh, they still 
they still rely on the big corporate money, and that's where their their uh, allegiance sometimes falls. And and sometimes we just fail to see the big picture. We're headed into a break. You're listening to CSC Talk Radio, and Beth and Bill will be right back. Returns. You're listening to CSC Talk Radio. This is Beth Ann. Bill, we have lit up the phone lines. We're going to go to the callers. I'm going to ask them to keep their question, uh, uh, as give it as quickly as they can and keep it as brief as they can so you'll have time to answer. We're going to go to Joe in Arkansas. Joe, how are you doing today? Oh, tired of all this gloomy weather. Looking forward to some sunshine. How are you about that? <laughs> Me too. Amen. <laughs> yeah, all right. My question is, okay, about the China trade deal, uh, it sounds to me like in the China trade deal, we're going to sell them a lot of agricultural products, and they're going to continue to sell us high-tech manufactured products. And it's, it's great. You know, I think it's great if the American farmer benefits from this. You know, I'm all for the American farmer prospering. But isn't it also very important for us to have high-tech manufacturing here and not to buy it all from China? Because, you know, it looks to me like the United States doesn't have a future as a significant country in the world uh, unless we get the high-tech manufacturing back here, too. And I, be- I agree with you wholeheartedly. We have got to begin producing more in America, and we need to begin consuming more of what we produce. We need to bring the high-tech manufacturing back to America that only left because of the disruptive globalist policies that encouraged our nation's manufacturers to offshore in order to take advantage not just of the cheaper labor and less stringent environmental standards, but also to take advantage of the devalued currency in those countries. And that's where we ran into trouble as we allowed countries like China to cheat by devaluing its currency, which makes exports from that country cheaper when they arrive in America. And it makes the exports that we generate in the United States to China far more expensive, and it's an artificial advantage built in for China. And then we allowed China to begin subsidizing those manufacturers within China so that they could even be more artificially competitive in the world market and undercut the U.S. manufacturers. That chain has to be broken, and we're doing that incrementally, unfortunately, Uh, but the fact of the matter is, is when we impose the tariffs on Chinese steel, for example, we empowered our domestic steel manufacturers to get back into business, and we need to do the same for the high tech. We have to stop this theft of uh, the cyber theft, we have to stop this transfer of technology, and we have to stop the uh, Chinese from using its own government in order to undercut the ability of the American manufacturer to be competitive. So this is all a part of the mix, and I believe all a part of the strategy for dealing with China. But the problem is we still have a significant stronghold of globalist free traders in Washington, D.C. that continue to uh, believe in this uh, fairy tale that, uh, you know, this is good for America. For some of these big companies, it's good for them because they're exploiting both countries in the process. But for America, it is dangerous and it is disastrous. 
It is. We're going to go to Larry in Missouri, and I think he has a similar question. Larry, how are you today? Yeah, fine, Bess. Uh, yeah, Bill, uh, about high tech. We're shooting uh, uh, satellites in space dozens a day, I guess, but uh, supposed to be a bunch of them up there. If they crash, we're going to have a backup like you see on the highways, at, you know, rubbernecks. It's going to be out of because that uh, once one crashing each other, then a bunch of other fly around and get you up there like forever. I catch a part of it, but uh, my question is about the meatless. Uh, uh, that meatless product is made out of soybean, and soybean and meatless, the, the soybean farmers are going to try to take over the cattle farmers because. <laughs> you know what I don't mean? think that's going to happen. <laughs> if it goes to more of a meatless society because of you know, high tax, then that's going to hurt the farmers. Yeah, so, so dealing, you know, we have been dealing with um, alternatives to meat for many, many years. Uh, there was the soybean burgers back in the school lunchrooms uh, decades ago. And so this has been around for a long time. And one of the things in America is, you know, we don't try to stop uh, entrepreneurs from developing new products, but once the products are developed, then we have to decide, you know, whether or not, uh, as a part of the consuming public, whether or not we want to consume those. So if we move to a more alternative proteins, of course, we're going to reduce demand for meat that's produced by American farmers and ranchers. Um, but importantly, this issue has not caused the United States to lose its farmers and ranchers. I don't think we've lost any farmers and ranchers because of the uh, new products that are made meatless products in the United States. So we have some more problems that are far more serious. I don't see the too many longhorns selling than, their soybeans. More steak. to uh, meatless, and we have no choice when you when you when these are great hogs or they you worry we order and well the consumers the consumers Larry Larry the consumers will have yeah. something to do with that and and I don't see a big market just yet for soybean steak but <laughs> I could be wrong <laughs> thanks Larry appreciate your call <laughs> you know. They said, going back to this technology and China, um, I don't know what was discussed. Um, perhaps it was just the weather, but I doubt it. But President Trump and Tim Cook had breakfast together before they left Davos yesterday or the day before, whenever that was. And uh, I'm certain that they talked a little bit about this deal with China and the technology. And uh, um, I think President Trump's on top of this stuff. It's just going to, like you said, Bill, I think it's going to take time for us to uh, get a grip on something and, and find our way back in progress, find our way going back to some degree, but progressively going forward with uh, with the cattle ranching and the farming and getting agriculture. You know, we're we're number one now with uh, with our uh, oil. We need to be number one with our agriculture, and maybe we are technically we're number one. I don't know where we stand on that as far as the beef and the. Uh, you can probably tell me the beef and the and the poultry and the and the uh, uh, pork, but wouldn't it be great oh, yeah. if we were number one in all of it? So, so we are the number one beef producing country in the world, uh, and we are also uh, the number one beef consuming market in the world. Though I recently read that uh, some markets may soon surpass the United States. 
but we are the most efficient and productive uh, producer of beef, and that is true with all of agriculture. You know, the United States system of agriculture production has been the envy of the world, bar none. And it's because of our dedicated, independent farmers and ranchers um, that are highly efficient. But that that stature has been eroded because of the globalist policies that has made it unprofitable to continue operating our farms and ranches as we have where we grew so successful. And that's the problem is we still have the globalist vestiges in Congress and in Washington that are pushing against the reforms necessary to bring back the opportunity for profitability for our farmers and ranchers who are producing beef. And it's those issues that our CAF is focused on, those issues that are impeding the opportunities for profitability for the United States independent farmers and ranchers. And also marketing. You know, we... Uh I think we have done a good job in marketing, but that has also uh, been played, as we know, against the farmers and the ranchers through the uh, checkoff program. And uh, I know that we're the number one in oil, but I also have some oil folks that say that their profit's going down because we're doing such a good job. And Derry Brownfield used to talk about that. The farmers are so great at what they do that they usually shoot themselves in the foot with the production. I want to talk about that when we come back. You're listening to CSC Talk Radio. This is Beth Ann. I'm visiting you today with Bill Bullard of RCAF USA. You can visit their website. Join them. They need members. They need people to come together to work and to uh, uh, push agriculture in America, independent agriculture. RCAF, it's r-cafusa.com. That's r-cafusa.com. And Bill and Beth Ann will be right back. If Ernest Hemingway was alive today, would he say this to you? Shakespeare, Mark Twain, Edgar Allan Poe, all great writers. And after reading your book, I simply must add you to the list. Wait, you don't have a book yet. So make a free call to Page Publishing. Their expert staff can help you turn your book idea into a real book, a masterpiece that could someday make the bestseller list in hard copy and digitally all across the world. Page Publishing can help you completely take your idea for a book Write it and publish it. So if you want to join the ranks of some of the most famous authors in the world, call now for a free information kit. Turn your book idea into publishing gold. Make a free call right now to Page Publishing. 800-378-3212. 800-378-3212. 800-378-3212. That's 800-378-3212. You've all helped build MyPillow into the amazing company that it is today. Now, Mike Lindell, the inventor and CEO of MyPillow, wants to give back to my listeners. You can get deep discounts on MyPillow products if you go to MyPillow.com right now and click on the new radio listener specials. I use MyPillow and so does my husband. We sleep better and wake more refreshed, ready to conquer a new day. You can get deep discounts on MyPillow, mattress choppers, bed sheets, and so much more. For example, Mike is bringing back the 
your BOGO offer for the MyPillows. That's right. Buy one MyPillow and get another one absolutely free. Remember, all MyPillow products come with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. Just go to MyPillow.com and click on the new radio listener specials and get deep discounts on MyPillow products, including the buy one, get one free. Enter promo code BETHANN. Call 1-800-978-6168 for these great radio specials. Melody Cedarstrom and CSE Talk Radio team up as Common Sense Voices of Integrity. I personally endorse Melody Cedarstrom to be your trusted go-to expert for all your precious metal needs. Experts agree a financial crisis and even collapse is inevitable. Given our government's lack of economic leadership and self-interest of those in power, it's no longer a question of if you should purchase gold and silver, but if you will purchase gold and silver before it's too late. Melody encourages you to tune in each weekday morning. Visit CSE talkradio.com. We both agree truth and education are the two significant factors in both our missions. There is a wealth of misinformation out there. Let Melody and Bethan help you sort through the chaos and bring you home to the truths that will ensure that you and your family are protected. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading, 1-800-375-4188 or online at dgscoins.com. Melody and Bethan are strong forces together working to preserve liberty and bring America home. What if things were made in America again? We all complain about our products, even our food, coming from foreign lands and foreign laborers. But do we really understand? James Stubert didn't understand, so he dug in, and wow, he kept digging in. It all started with a light bulb. It held the label GE, but it read Made in China. Jim has done the research. Now you can have the answers in detail. Consumers can rebuild the middle class by buying things made in American communities. Find out why free trade resulted in 6 million lost manufacturing jobs and lower wages for most Americans. While free trade brought cheaper goods, we also had less money to purchase goods. That giant sucking sound sucked the life right out of American manufacturing. Order Jim's book today. What if things were made in America again? Send $24.95 to CSE Talk Radio, Post Office Box 73, California, Missouri 65018. Let's build it in America, buy it in America, and bring America home. And we have returned to listening to CSC Talk Radio. This is Beth Ann. We are in the final segment of today's show. And I'm going to kind of turn some things over to Bill. We've talked about a lot of things. Uh, all are, I think, are important and, and good points to make. Uh, Agriculture, you know, I want to go back and read to you what Victor David Hansen had said in his article. I'm going to send it to you. I think you'd enjoy that. I sent it to CJ. Um, he's one of my favorites. Um, sometimes he talks over my head, but he's one of my favorites. But his one of his statements within that article, we need to pause sometimes and remember who these dinosaurs, he's talking about the farmers, were and what they have contributed I think America fails to to remember and even know today what rule America contributes. He says, for a while longer, a few are still with us. A sort of collective keyhole through which we can look back into a now unremembered American past whose codes and mores were simply abandoned and to our great and present loss. 
you know, when you think about the farmers and the ranchers, uh, Bill, and and listen to the old stories that they told and they tell, and and uh, uh, it's it's fun. We we laugh at them, uh, yet sometimes we cry because of the uh, the trials and and the tribulations that they had to go through to be where they are today. And yet they're still hanging on to that independent spirit, and they still want to be on their own. They don't want to be a part of a a huge ag corporation. They want to do it on their own, and they go bigger, you know. Uh, I remember when uh, I was on the farm, I remember hearing my father-in-law talk about, you got to go big. you got to go bigger, you know. So they they increase their their herd. They increase their their acreage they put out, and, uh, and they went bigger. Uh, unfortunately, it was in the 80s when we were on it. <laughs> it wasn't a good time. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just going to let you take it from there. We have so much in this nation. Everyone contributes. But I think we fail to remember rural America and, and that they are the foundation of America. I'm going to turn it over to you. Well, that's right, and they're the economic foundations for all of rural America because of all of these services and other supporting businesses that are that can thrive on Main Street when you have many disaggregated farmers and ranchers. The notion that they had to get bigger was the response or rationale to the alarming decline in the number of farmers and ranchers. So they were told you had to achieve an economy of scale in order to complete compete in the global market. And that's the point that I made that you mentioned right at the beginning of the show, and that is we do operate in a global marketplace. Uh, The United States is importing beef, for example, from over 20 different foreign countries. And at the same time, we are telling our U.S. cattle producers that they have to compete in that global market with their hands tied behind their backs because those global interests in Washington, D.C. refuse to allow the U.S. cattle producer and U.S. consumer to distinguish which beef in the marketplace is produced right here by the hardworking American farmers and ranchers or which beef was brought in by the global importers uh, from countries that produce the product under far lesser food safety and production standards, and so the product is far cheaper, and it allows these multinational corporations to earn windfall profits by sourcing a cheaper product, bringing it into the United States without disclosing the foreign origins, and that's what's harming the United States cattle producer. They are unable to compete in this marketplace that is now global, and yet they continue to produce just a generic commodity. They're just producing beef, just like they produce in Namibia, Africa, or Costa Rica, or Nicaragua, or Uruguay. And so that's the, the single most important thing we can do for American cattle producers today is to give them the opportunity to distinguish their superior product in the marketplace. But the only one that can do that for us is Congress. And that's because the farmers and ranchers that you see driving around the countryside do not uh, sell beef. They sell live cattle. And once they sell the animal, they no longer have control over what happens to that beef product. 
And right now, without mandatory country of origin labeling, the meat packers are allowed to sell that product in the marketplace without disclosing the origins, and that is hurting and harming the competitiveness of our independent U.S. farmers and ranchers. So we have the new U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement that makes no changes whatsoever to um, trading cattle and beef and does not require any of the products coming in from Canada or Mexico to be labeled as to its origin. So consumers cannot choose to support the American farmer and rancher by seeking out the U.S. product in the marketplace. They're being deceived. They're being um, exploited. And so, too, are the producers. And that's a huge problem. And we're, we're continuing because that agreement is not yet signed. We are urging our members and everyone to call the White House and say, we want America to be able to support American farmers and ranchers. We cannot do that without mandatory country of origin labeling on our beef products. It's a huge issue. It's a multi-billion dollar issue, and we have to win on that. And unfortunately, President Trump has not yet recognized the huge deficiency in the U.S.-Mexico-Canada trade agreement that does not provide the U.S farmer and rancher, the tool that they need to compete in the global marketplace, and worse, it deprives them the tool to compete even in their own marketplace right here in America. And that's a huge void that has to be filled. So we encourage everyone, call, call the White House and tell them, don't support this agreement until U.S. cattle farmers and ranchers have the opportunity uh, to state that their product is a USA product in the marketplace, and consumers can choose to support the American farmer and rancher. And I have that number right here. It's 202-456-1111. That's 202-456. Somebody's looking at me funny. You don't think that's right? That's what I've Googled. <laughs> 1111. Do you have a different number there, uh, Bill? I do not in front of me. No, Bethann. Okay. Okay, so that's the number I have, and it says the White House phone is 202-456-1111. I think I've seen that one before. So the number to call if you're calling Congress, I think they're a little busy right now, is 202 202- well, I've kind of lost that one. 224-3121. That's 202-224-3121. Um, they can go to the White House website and provide an email comment, too. So do both. Yes, yes. <laughs> do both. Oh, my goodness. I hear the music. We're going to have to have you back real soon. Bill, thank you so much for all that you do. I appreciate you so much for protecting rural America and fighting for the ranchers. And we got to all fight together. There's, uh, there's strength when we hold our hands together. Together and uh, and face these challenges. I don't think the president, he's a listener, so I think he will listen. But we've got to get that uh, audience. We've got to get in front of him. And uh, I know that you have some bill, and we need to do it again and again and again. He needs to know that rural America needs a free market choice. We need to have we need to have um, a fair a fair deal in the marketplace. Let's put it that way. Let us let us sell our product. Let us sell our product and let us put our name on it. Made in the USA. And we will bring America home. Home.